0: Hi and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I'm Atik Ahmad Bharti, a fourth-generation homeopath with over 25 years of professional experience and practice in this field of healing. The Homeopathy Health Show is the online voice of homeopathy around the world, promoting and raising awareness of this truly unique system of healing which is suitable for all ages, young and old. Every week I invite guests from the world of homeopathy to come and share their experiences, their work offer insights and essentially talk all things homeopathy. Why not visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast button to listen to the latest episodes. So let's begin today's show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Homeopathy Health Show here on UK Health Radio and I'm your host Atik Ahmedbati. Now I'm delighted to introduce my guest for today's show who is Geoff Johnson. Geoff qualified as a vet from Cambridge University and ran a full vet mixed practice in the UK for 11 years. When his hay fever was cured overnight by homeopathy, he began his homeopathic studies in 1995 qualifying as a veterinary homeopath in 1999 with the Homeopathic Physicians Teaching Group. Now the owners started asking for treatment upon seeing their animals getting better, so Jeff achieved an RS HUM in 2001, making him the only person qualified in veterinary and human homeopathy at that time. In 2004, Jeff completed the Dynamis course with Jeremy Scher and he now runs a very busy practice in West Somerset, here in the UK. Jeff is a sought-after teacher in homeopathy and lectures widely nationally and internationally. He was one of the founding vets of the homeopathy at Welly Level School, which has now trained over 800 farmers. He has studied extensively with many of the world's leading homeopaths, particularly the Joshis, Jeremy Sher. Rajan Sankaran, Jan Scholten, and David Lilly. Jeff Johnson, absolute pleasure to have you on the Homeopathy Health Show podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: That's a real pleasure. I've been looking forward to it and excited, actually. So, yeah, what what should we talk about?
0: Well, firstly, I love your sense of humour. I love the email exchanges. So just for the listeners, um, Jeff has an amazing sense of humour, which really makes me laugh because... um, I do want to share this story, actually. I uh, asked Jeff a few weeks ago before coming on the podcast if he would just send me a high-profile photo, which I use, as you know, on on the social media channels to promote the podcast. And he sent me one of a Neanderthal man. And I opened it, (laughs) and I was thinking, hmm, you know, for that split second, you think, that's not Jeff, (laughs) is it? uh, (laughs) But thank you for that, because it was really funny. (laughs) Well, it's...
1: it's Strangely, it's got a bit of a homeopathic side to it because I'm really, really fascinated about why homo sapiens, us men, women, have so much chronic disease. And I think it happened because we just developed this brain that enabled us to leave the now. And I think that's probably what the Neanderthals didn't and all of our other brother human family who have all sadly died out except for us. And I've always been fascinated from a homeopathic point of view about what happened like 45, 50,000 years ago to Homo sapiens, to us, where suddenly we started doing art and suddenly we started burying our dead. And we left the now and went into this world of art and fantasy. And I think that's when chronic disease began. And I've done a lot of thinking and a lot of research to try and understand what went on then um, it was Jeremy Shyer said to me 22 years ago that chronic disease begins the second you leave the here and now and go to the there and then. And I think we as a species left the now, and therefore my interest in in you know the history of all the hominid species is is based in wondering why we're so sick today. So that's, <laughs>
0: that's uh, fascinating uh well that was full steam ahead that was uh you went straight into that and that's a really yeah well cool. that's
1: that's that the reason i went to that museum in spain is because it's the greatest museum of human evolution in the world and why is the earth in the state it is why are homo sapiens so extraordinary so talented and yet so terrible and it must lie in the, the pathology that we have in ourselves as a species and i'm just it's it's one of my greatest interests in homeopathy, and I've done a fair bit of research to think about it. And that was my reason for visiting that museum.
0: And this what's museum, going on? Which museum is this?
1: This is the Museum of Human Evolution in Burgos, in northern Spain. Right, and it's wonderful.
0: You know, it's well, it's interesting, Jeff, what what you just said because that that does so it's so true isn't it that we are so advanced technologically everything is at our fingertips literally and the world's our oyster and yet it comes to and of course i, I for the purposes of the show i don't want to go into specific details here but we we all know that there are certain areas uh, as far as humans are concerned where so much injustice occurs and and hate and dislike and, and mm. atrocities and yeah And yet we're so advanced on one side, like you've so eloquently said. And yet on the other side, it's a strange seesaw we're on, aren't we? There's no middle ground, it seems, nowadays.
1: There is no middle ground. And as time passes, the polarity gets wider and wider and wider. And it's, I mean, you just look at the Brexit, you look at the Democrats and Republicans, you look at everything. The world is in a state of extreme polarity. And human beings are so wonderful and so talented and yet they are so destructive and it's come to the point now we're on a precipice and uh, do is the world and the society as we know it and even homo sapiens going to survive or not and uh i think homeopathically this is this is very important one of, one of the things that most interests me in my work is i discovered that someone's pathology is also their greatest talent um, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but if you ask somebody, I I always ask a question. If you'd been put on earth for a reason with the talents you've got, what would you've been put here? What are the greatest talents you have? And if you ask that in great depth and go into it further and further and further, you find that the person uses the same language that they use when they're talking about their illness. Hmm. It's like our, our pathology, our illness that we deal with as homeopaths, is the greatest curse we have, but it's also the greatest gift and uh it's it's an area of great it's a great interest to me i could I could talk about it more if you'd like to, but if you want to move on, we'll talk about something else
0: no, please carry on. I'm finding it fascinating I think it's uh, it it shows that you have taken a great amount of time pondering and reflecting and and that's something very close to my heart, I love to ponder and reflect and now I very much observe the outside world when I am out more than ever before, mm-hmm. I, I'm always observing things and I'm observing people and I know as a homeopath we have that habit right because you know of cases and consultations but the observations have changed to to this that why on one side are we happy with life we're taking a walk in the park and yet on the other side there's so many disagreements and there's so many anxieties and and sometimes trials and tribulations are are, are self-inflicted totally because oh, one yeah, has yeah. Uh, an ego or one has uh, something they just can't seem to kick off or shun you know
1: yeah yeah uh, uh, an example which is a theoretical example but it's one I've been thinking about for the last few months i went to india a few years back and uh, I went to see the Taj Mahal. And I had a very surprising reaction. I looked at it and I just burst into tears because I thought it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen in my life. I thought it was just, just it astonishing. Absolutely. And then I, I heard the story, the tragic story. I don't remember the names, but the, the Indian prince who built it, built it because he loved his wife so, 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 so much. And she bore him many, many children. And he built the Taj Mahal. He bankrupted his kingdom, I think, to build this astonishing uh, mausoleum, which was a, a tomb for his wife. Uh, and and the, his grief was extraordinary, but the grief of the whole story is even greater because his son fell out with him. I don't know if it was about putting all the money into the Taj Mahal, and in fact imprisoned him in a fort about half a mile away. and the guy who ordered it to be built never went into it, and he died. And that depth of grief whereby you would bankrupt uh, principality to build a tomb for your wife is is pathological. If we all did that, the world would fall apart. And his plan was to build another one on the other side of the river, which would be his tomb. And... Um, if he hadn't had that pathology, he wouldn't have built the Taj Mahal and it wouldn't be here for mankind today. And I, and then I think, well, if I was to treat him at, before he started all this, what would I have given him? And I thought a remedy for deep, deep grief, a remedy for the soulmate. There's a beautiful river, a beautiful, white, graceful building. I would have given him swan. And I thought, could have happened if a homeopath had treated him with swan maybe the taj mahal would never have been built don't quite know how we got onto that subject but this idea of your pathology is your greatest talent i think is a real keynote about why mankind is in the beautiful mess it is and it's really important to us as homeopaths
0: it's interesting isn't it uh, perception and observation here because I went to see the Taj Mahal in 2004, and mm. um, of course, it was amazing standing next to it and just looking at the structure and the marble and the beauty and the grandeur. Mm. Mm. And we went inside and I asked um, one of the um, security guards where the tomb was. And there's a staircase that leads down to the tombs, which of course is is closed to the public. Ah. Huh? And I peeked down. I asked, of course, permission. I said, can I just peek down just to have a look? And what was saddening for me, again, this is based based on different sort of observations, isn't it? And what we pick up is that his wife is buried there. And that, um, that chamber or that where the tomb is, that room under the grandeur of the Taj Mahal, is not laden with anything and it's empty and it's cold. And as soon as you come up those stairs, there's this beautiful building inside, uh-huh. the house. Uh-huh. and I came out of that, and I thought it's just amazing because what you see is so different to the fact that his his wife, who's deceased, is is buried, and she's all alone, and it's cold, um, and yet there's this such a magnificent story as far as the Taj Mahal, isn't it? It's mm. it's interesting, isn't
1: it? I think I think it's really interesting. Maybe if he had been able to choose the way in which his wife had been buried maybe she wouldn't have been buried down there in that cold place mm. um, yeah mm.
0: fascinating <laughs> yeah. fascinating um which makes it somewhat awkward to go back to the start here with my question okay all right <laughs> but, uh, sorry but about we that have gone in. no no absolutely it's been it's been a, a thrilling conversation actually very very informative but I did want to ask you that, um, and for the purposes of the listeners who aren't aware, um, Jeff is actually a qualified vet, and it was through a veterinary that he moved to homeopathy. So do tell us about this, this journey, which is really fascinating, because you, you qualified from Cambridge University, so that's in itself is a great achievement and uh, very humbling indeed. Mm. And you then later on actually worked for a four-vet mixed practice, near uh, Exmoor.
1: Yeah, that was our practice, actually. I worked in many practices all over the country and uh, abroad as well. And then uh, my wife and I, my wife's a vet as well, and we finished up owning and building up our own mixed practice, cows and horses, sheep, dogs, cats, everything, uh, on the edge of Exmoor. And I love that. It was like... You know, out, out on the farms, carving cows, uh, lambing sheep, seeing the dogs. It was a real country practice. And I wouldn't necessarily have thought about doing anything else, really. But I went, actually, I went to Glastonbury Rock Festival. When was this? 1995, I think. And um, I used to suffer from appalling hay fever, like awful hay fever. And I'd left all my antihistamines and eye drops and everything at home and uh, somebody said let me take you up to the healing field because there's a, a healing field at Glastonbury and the first tent on the right is the homeopaths traveling collective which is a set of hippie homeopaths who are still going now they are fantastic and as a qualified vet I went in there and this lady asked me lots of as I understood it meaningless questions which were nothing to do with why I had hay fever uh And it went on for quite a long time. And then she gave me one pill. And I said, Well, how many do I take a day? She said, Just take the one. And I thought, This was nonsense. Anyway, I took the pill and it worked unbelievably. I think this was a destined thing. Um, And it worked so well that about two weeks after I came home from the festival, I looked her up and I found her. And I went to see her and said, Look, it's come back a little bit. And she said to me, there's only 10 homeopathic vets in the country. You should be one. And I said, well, if you give me another pill and I get better, I will. So two months later, I was studying in Oxford with the homeopathic physicians teaching group. And my whole life changed for the better because it's been a utterly fantastic 25, 30 years or however long ago it is that since that day of discovery and an awful lot of learning and just a broadening of myself in so many ways. Um yeah so that's 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 how it happened and the, I was very lucky this homeopathic physicians teaching group was a group of young doctors absolutely passionate about homeopathy because they'd just discovered George Vitalkas. Right. And it had all been over and had been studying on out in Greece on his island, al And George was bringing loads of new ideas, a great way of looking at homeopathy. And these doctors were really turned on. And I got as a vet to go and study with them. And it was the first time almost in my entire life when I realized that a lecture could be fun. I mean, my lectures at Cambridge to become a vet were well, utterly appalling, which I assumed they would be. You just have to learn stuff and apply it, and I never expect. And I was sitting there, fascinated in these lectures, and these these teachers were so alive, and the ideas were coming in, and we'd finished the lectures, and they would all sit around, doctors and vets, until two in the morning, talking about the vital force and cure and drinking huge amounts of beer. And it was just a incredible time of my life. Anyway, in 99, I think it was, I qualified as a veterinary homeopath and I loved homeopathy so much that I did my human exams the same Hmm. year and qualified as a human homeopath, I think, in 2001, maybe. And that was it. That's That was my life on a new track.
0: It's uh, I like that human homeopath. Only two people have used that with me so far, and one of them was uh Tracy Simpson from New Zealand, and the other was was actually Tania Twentyman, who's also from uh, New Zealand, lives on Wahiki Island, uh-huh. and uh, we were having this conversation actually on agri homeopathy, uh-huh. uh dairy cattle and mastitis and so forth. Yeah, and she said, "I'm also a human homeopath." I said, "I said pardon," and, uh, <laughs> it just it just sounded a bit, uh, you know, and I said. Well, and she said, "Well, I'm just saying I'm a human homeopath and i'm a i'm, I'm a homeopath for animals as well uh yeah. but I do love it. I just think yeah. it's, uh, it just throws somebody off though when you say that you know because <laughs> you don't <laughs> expect it you just yeah. we just think of homeopaths as as human, but yeah. wow, we're so far from the truth, and of course you're yeah. you're a prime example of that you know
1: yeah 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 the uh one of the most exciting things about starting homeopathy in animals was for six years at Cambridge the concept that an animal would have feelings Mm -hmm. was never mentioned once and I discovered that they are as equally affected by stresses as humans they develop the same diseases we do from similar stresses and they are just the discrimination between humiliation fear homesickness grief uh, animals are the same as us to an unbelievable extent and they respond in the same way to these tiny little energetic doses um I, so- I suddenly realized I had no idea when I was dehorning cows and pulling lambs out of sheep that I was dealing with people <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think horses probably respond better than any species, including humans. And I wondered why this sometimes, I don't know why it is, but but the, the animals disease. I mean, horses are so susceptible to grief. I've seen an awful lot of coughing horses, and I would think. 50% of those horses' coughs came on after a stable mate had um, moved on or died or they'd had to move house or the owner had divorced the husband or something like this, and then, lo and behold, they'd be coughing. And so remedies, you know, grief remedies like Nature Muir, Ignatia, whatever, were so commonly used in horses, but in animals as well. The first great case that really made... I was never going to turn back from homeopathy. It was a grief case in a dog that cured a incurable disease, and after that, that was it. <laughs> I couldn't go back to just practicing conventional medicine.
0: It is, it is fascinating. Honestly, it's just what, what you're saying and the examples and, and what we know is going on with treatment. But it it sort of begs the question that. Because of, and we were having this conversation, certainly, we were having a very deep conversation before the podcast recording itself. But mm. has have we got to this stage where, where, on one side, homeopaths, you can't be a homeopath without compassion and, and love. Of course you can't. It mm. doesn't just work that way because you have to be vested in something. You have to have that feeling of yes. being atta- attracted to somebody in the sense yes. of getting them better, the vibration. Yes, yes. yes, yes. But now we see very much that disease. Do you think a disease is uh, also a side effect of a loss of compassion in the current climate?
1: Wow. Now, that is an interesting question. I think the biggest disease of all, which is the disease of um, Homo sapiens, and therefore, consequently, the state of the earth, is exactly... That I was talking to somebody three hours ago who was looking at all the different races on Earth. And the conclusion was that the white race has lost contact with its ancestors to the degree where it doesn't know how to relate to other people or to the earth. If you lose touch with the earth, you lose compassion because she is our mother. Um, And the conversation we're having is how can we reestablish a connection of love to the earth? Uh, Because if it's interesting, you have organizations, Extinction Rebellion, things like that. Mm. One of the things that is really important is you can't just love the earth and succeed as a protester. You can't just love your family and succeed as a counsellor. The love that you feel has to be for everything um, and similar for everything. And that's what has been lost because of that loss of connection, that loss of understanding. It's uh, sometimes, I'm sure you do this as well, where you think, what remedy would I give to the world what remedy would I give to the United Kingdom? What remedy would I mm. give to that political party to uh, to try and heal it, to try and make it perceive, to take off its tinted glasses so it could see the world as it really is?
0: Mm. The beauty is the simplicity, isn't it, Jeff? Because now, if one mentions, uh, as an example, um, oh, let's go for a walk in the park. And it's almost frowned upon that. What? What do you mean? A walk in the park? It's better to just sit in front of the TV or use a tablet or mobile or, or just go out with friends. But that connection, that grounding, mm-hmm. going to the park as mm-hmm. as uh, and you, of course, as a uh, experienced trekker, and I know you love <clears> nature so much, and we'll mm-hmm. go into that anyhow. But you know that when you go out into different surroundings, uh, a garden, a park. Um, walking through a, a beautiful forest you always end up talking about things which are not really related to what you would be talking about when you're at home because <clears throat> your mindset is different you're more <clears throat> calm, you're more calm you're more natural <clears throat> and
1: and there's lots of uh, uh work done to demonstrate the fact that just 10 minutes near a tree will lower your um, cortisone levels improve your sleep even just actually having your hospital room painted green is Mm. positive for your health and so this is the this is the great problem with the the division we have of us and nature and unless that can be reconnected somehow or another i do not know where mankind is going to
0: finish it up there's there's a excuse me there's a lot of um it's all a. it's it's a it's become a very um dare i say it it's become a very me me world Mm -hmm. and uh Mm -hmm. like you said standing near a tree and and even though for some people that might sound as a very odd thing to say but that's actually one of the most beautiful things to say I mean, have you ever come across anyone who says, oh my God, I hate birdsong in the morning or why are the yeah. trees green? I hate green. Yes. Why shouldn't they be red? Yeah. Nobody yeah. really says that in the grand no. scheme. Uh, right?
1: absolutely. 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 We all we all love it.
0: Yeah. Why? You know, that because we are programmed that way. We have this, uh, and there's a chemical reaction anyway, as we said, walking in yeah. a park or through a forest and you're more calm and grounded. Yeah. But yeah. there's this love and this beauty that we have. And we seem to be almost forcing our way uh, uh, ourselves away from it when i heard the deforestation in the amazon rainforest you know the lungs of the earth uh, this is bad you know how can mm. you go to that extreme mm. what the, if god forbid all the rainforests went it's too late to, to actually say oh sorry about that uh, we did we made a mistake because it's gone that's it you've finished everything off
1: and when that's gone, everything else goes too. This is the, the other part of my life I've been very involved with is, is I've been a moderately extreme environmentalist for quite a long time. And I did take a couple of years where I did vastly less homeopathy and went on the streets about that. Delighted to come back to homeopathy uh, much more full time, which I did because of COVID. But yeah, this business with what's going on with us and going on with the earth is the biggest question of the entire history of mankind, I think. Things have got to a point where we must evolve, we must change, or tragically, I think Gaia's Gaius finest child is not going to be here
0: you know i'm going to go off a slight tangent here but you mentioned something very important about uh, you know um the environment and climate change and you know pondering over this and looking and reflecting at this we're talking about cars and carbon footprint and manufacturing and and so forth and but i b- think that one of the biggest forms of pollutants and th- this is just a this just a um, something out there but is the sadly, the wars that are going on, the bombs, the missiles, mm. the the guns, the rebuilding mm. of structures—you know—after you've demolished them because yep. of bombs—that's climate change. The amount of carbon, totally, is immense. It outweighs, yeah. you know, it, it surpasses anything that we're doing. To be honest, yeah. you know, as humans, yeah. On, yeah. on a on a day to day life,
1: yeah. Yeah, there's nothing worse that can happen. There's a there's a great I don't know what we're talking about this, but there's, there's a great book uh, called "How Bad Are Bananas?" The book is called, and mm. it goes through the carbon foot of e- footprint of everything. And at the end of the book, it says the highest carbon footprint that can possibly happen is a war. Mm. Yeah, and there's sadly, the world we live in at the moment is full of them.
0: Sadly. Now, going back to homeopathy uh, <laughs> yeah
1: I must well, one say- thing i'd like to say i think <laughs> which i just I thought of you said that homeopathy is simple and other things are simple like a smile but one thing i love to say to my students is that homeopathy is incredibly simple all you have to do is perceive in your patient something that's not human so you perceive a pulsatilla flower or you perceive a, a sulfur or you perceive a diamond or you perceive a snake. That's all you have to do. We've got loads of methods, some fancy, some not fancy, some complicated and clever. That's all we have to do. What is in front of us that's in our patient that is not human? And that's it. That's homeopathy.
0: Yeah, that's actually so, so true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So yeah. When we observe. Uh, just as a, when a patient observes us, of course, when they come, they they want to yeah. feel comfortable. They want to have that trust. They want to feel empathy, yeah. compassion from, coming from us. You know, it, it yeah. should radiate from a homeopath. Totally. Um, otherwise, there's the you know there's always this feeling that are they are they listening to me? Yeah. Thankfully, I've never had a homeopath. I'm sure you haven't come across one who's who, who's got that where people have said you know oh they're no good or they just don't care. All homeopaths do care. That's Part and parcel of being a homeopath. Actually, the first step is compassion—to love for creation, for humanity, to help healing. Right?
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, and we are lucky enough to be doing a a job which most of us do love mm. so much. Uh, yeah, that we're so passionate about that—that that thing about being compassionate and really listening to somebody. I think. That all that means, Hahnemann, the person who invented homeopathy, talked such a lot about the observing physician. I think he says it, I don't know, 12 or 13 times in his book, The Organon. And I think he, what he meant by that was to be observing, you just have to be in the now. And when you're in the now, and nothing else is going on in your mind the monkey chat is not there then you can really listen and concentrate on and let's sink in what somebody's saying to you and one of the things I love in the last maybe 10 years of my practice is I've I've learned to be in the now when I'm with my patients not all the time because it's not easy but I've got a couple of little tricks I do. One is I'll do it right now as I'm talking to you. I can feel the pressure of my feet on the floor. And I find I can talk to you, I can think, I can behave lovely, normally, and I can still feel the pressure of my feet there. But when I feel the pressure of my feet, I can't talk to you and also be thinking, oh, what time are we going to finish? Oh, what's fatigue? Because your mind only works at two levels. And so I sit down with my patient. I feel my feet on the floor and I just say, what are you here for? And keep feeling my feet in the floor. And I think they sense that something happens in the air around us, in the the consultation room. And even if the consultation is over Zoom, it's the same. And they pour themselves into that space that's created by the now. And that's one of the greatest things I've learned in my as
0: a homeopath do you agree with that i do 100 percent.
1: yeah even
0: even i i've had uh, and like any homeopath sometimes people are very traumatized and they call you in a panic and it's like oh please you know i've got this and i've got that and you think hang on you know let's start with your name and 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 then you say whatever you've got don't worry i'm going to do my best to help you yeah cool you know that just changes the dynamic because yeah when you say that to someone, and I've had someone say that to me many years ago, and, and it was a situation, and they said, I'll help you. And I thought that was the most beautiful piece of advice, or sorry, the most beautiful thing anyone could have said to me. And it fixed 55% of the problem, because yeah. I just needed to hear those words, right? Yeah. yeah, I'll help you, no matter what it is. And, and that gives you hope, doesn't it? It does, and that
1: makes me think, I'll help you, whatever it is, and who is the person that whatever you've done, whoever you are, will always help you, whatever it is. And that person's your mother. Hmm. And so many people that we see in our consultations, when it boils down to, I don't know, what is it, one in four, one in three, wish they weren't loved by their mum. It's that very, very first love, and when that's missing, you know they're seventy six and come to see you with their rheumatoid arthritis, and half an hour later they're talking about how they were sent to boarding school and their mum wasn't interested in them, and and so to be be a mum to someone is the greatest gift you can give them, really, which is to want to help in any way you can, whatever you've done.
0: That's that's so true, and and again. Uh... It goes back to that same point, doesn't it, about simplicity? Because yeah. The mum, it's so simple, isn't it? Yeah. We so all have simple. a mother, we all have a father. Yeah. And there should be love there, unequivocal yeah. love. And yeah. parents can give you love, just as we are parents, you know. Yeah. Uh, we is there anything we wouldn't do for our children? Of course not. Yeah. It's all love, isn't it? It's love, love, love. And uh, yeah. You know that reminds me, of course, of the Beatles going off on tangent, but it is true, <laughs> and and it's you know it's not it's not just out there. It, there is a lot having empathy and compassion is love, and having love has this beautiful yeah. uh, frequency, yeah. which can resonate with everybody. Yeah, nobody can say, "Oh God, you're you know, you what? Why are you so like this?" You know. Well, they do, but you know, in, in as far as speaking to people, as far as them getting to know you if that love is so powerful isn't it yeah so powerful
1: yeah 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 and so one one sad thing that we hear in our consultations is we see see a woman who's maybe lost her identity got eczema whatever she's got and you say oh what's the problem and she says i'm just a mother i used to i used to be a teacher i'm just a mother and i hear that and i think oh my goodness i do the consultation but when they go i always say say to them here look this isn't homeopathy but look there's nothing in the world more important than being a mother Mm. but when you have a delusion that you're just a mother that's that's real deep pathology to not realize that that's that is the most important thing of all and uh to be a father. I got really interested in this. Um, I got interested in the yin and the yang and the troubles between yin and yang causing chronic disease. And so I proved and made made the new remedy made from testosterone because we have lots of female remedies. We had estrogen and we've got mother's milk. Blah, blah, blah. There's hardly any male remedies. And, and I made testosterone into a remedy and, uh, I was really worried doing it because I thought that maybe it would just be full of bottom slapping and fighting and wars and you know talking about gutters. But it was only some of that. Most of it was a huge desire to pr- provide for and to protect people. And then I looked at the proving of estrogen and progesterone. I also proved made a new drug of progesterone and did the work on that. And the love of the mother was a different one from the love of the father. The love of the mother was to nurture and really, really care, whereas the love of the father was to protect and provide. It was really terribly interesting. I, I got proved all the sexual hormones, actually. Yeah.
0: Mm. Interesting. Was that uh, How did you go about that? Was it just yourself or did you have a team? No, I
1: had lots of different groups of people. I did the proving of testosterone with lots of doctors and vets in Bristol Homeopathic Hospital. And I did uh, gonadotropin-releasing hormone at Manny Norland School with one of his years. And uh, I, did, I did pineal gland, and I did that with a group of Dutch homeopaths vets actually no danish homeopathic vets so it took me about five years to ascend the sexual hormonal pyramid from testosterone to lh gnrh melatonin and pineal gland it was a great interest i had again to try and understand why mankind is so diseased as it's jeremy that did all this jeremy Schiller, he also said that disease begins not only when you leave the now, but when there's tension between yin and yang. I didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't know half the time that Jeremy was talking about because I was just a cow vet in those days, really. But I thought, okay, well, what's yin? What's yang? Let's find out homeopathically. Let's prove these male and female hormones and find out what their essence is and then prove the pre-hormones that, for instance, gnrh comes from your pituitary gland no it doesn't it beg your pardon comes from your hypothalamus actually but that causes the production of all the hormones the male hormones and the female hormones and i wondered if that proving would give us a clue about what was going on before the split of yin and yang it was a quite a journey quite a journey yeah i mean what is homeopathy given to us so much i mean i didn't know what meditation was when i was a Calvet. I, I didn't know what buddhism i mean I, i've been in buddhism courses quantum physics goodness knows what it's uh it is such a gift isn't it to open your open your heart and your mind opens as well with homeopathy
0: it's it's just amazing i i see it everywhere in and and you, you, of course, you get this habit. Uh, I was sharing with a guest recently. I thought, because homeopaths are observant, then <clears throat> when they're observing somebody, not for a consultation, but just generally, yeah. anyway, and it's a family member, the beauty of homeopathy is because it's not, not judgmental, <clears throat> you've observed somebody, then when they do one day, let's say, ask you for help, it just makes life so much more easier and simple because you already are aware of their traits and their psyche. And that helps you because you can actually then deal with them and relate to them yeah. or mold yourself to them, Yeah, which is only a good thing, right? Yeah. 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 That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because you want to help them. And, and yeah. yeah, I know, I know about this and like, this is good. Cause I, and, and with a pure heart, you can say, I can help you with this because yeah. you know,
1: uh, a pure heart it's got such a lot to do you just you said the most important thing there which is unprejudiced because hmm. Hahnemann talks so much about lack of prejudice as well in our consults and that's also a, even more so actually a result of being in the now and uh, it's difficult though really because if you listen without prejudice then I also struggle with the idea. Well, is there such a thing as personal responsibility? Everyone is a victim of their mother. Everyone is a victim of their culture. And therefore, can you ever just say, "Boom, work harder, snap out of it, try harder, mate"? You know, because there's a reason why they're not doing it. And sometimes I struggle with that. Actually, I don't know about you.
0: It it can become complicated, but uh, I think if it's it's a two-way process isn't it it's very much that commitment that's needed uh this is a journey healing is a journey and it's sometimes it's a journey that lasts one dose sometimes it's a complex journey sometimes it's a journey that lasts 12 months 24 months even even longer um and uh but i, I what i what i i do know is that homeopaths do certainly try their best um you know there, there's unequivocal commitment there and and Mm -hmm. i think that's just beautiful in itself
1: Mm, i I agree i agree but that having been a conventional um medic as well one of the things about being a homeopath is that i have a delusion that there will always be a remedy somewhere that's going to work and if i try harder and i can find it then maybe i could cure this person whereas conventionally we have Curable, incurable. It mm. says so it's you know, it's always very hard to say. I find it hard to say. It's probably my problem as a homeopath to say, I can't help you and it's incurable. Um I think George Vitalkas has probably got some very good advice for us there to look at a case and decide one way or the other.
0: I mean, my, my personal approach would be in this situation is that uh, you have to be very sensible and you have to be very realistic. It's not homeopathy or the highway it doesn't life isn't like that i've found patients are are so much more more able to go through a healing process once you say that look we can do this this and this for you i'm going to help you on this journey but i also recommend strongly Mm -hmm. that you may need to go for Mm -hmm. blood tests you may need Mm -hmm. to see a gp Mm -hmm. let's be realistic reminds me of mark twain and he said if you if you always speak the truth you don't have to remember anything and it's the same case, isn't it? It's just speak the truth, just be honest. That is
1: a fantastic quote. If you want to <laughs> speak the truth, don't remember anything. No,
0: if if you only speak the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Because two uh, plus uh, uh, is always yeah, yeah, two is yeah. 4. If yeah, five yeah. people ask you, "Oh, you'd said to my friend 2 plus 2 is yeah. 4. What is it?" Well, actually it's uh 1 plus 1 is 2 and 2 plus 2 is 4. It's still the same. Whatever way you go around, the answer is always going to be the same, right?
1: Yeah, uh, I like that. I like that
0: quote. <laughs> um, Jeff. Well,
1: all I can remember about Mark Twain from the book I read is he gave a special trick where you can tell if someone is in disguise, whether a boy or a girl. And what he does is whatever clothes they're wearing, he would drop something onto their lap. And if they were a boy, they'd put the leg together because they were always wearing trousers. And if it was a girl, they'd open their legs because there'd be a dress there to catch it
0: ah <laughs> that's,
1: that's actually all i can remember from mark Twain.
0: interesting interesting <laughs> jeff you alongside homeopathy by the way i was going to ask you um it's been a it's been an amazing conversation so far but uh how is your practice and and how are things going there how are they progressing
1: ah uh, great i am loving my practice at the moment actually i feel in a good space in myself i feel quite in the now and therefore i have the feeling i'm really finding the remedies and helping my patients and i'm um, excited every day i get up to look at them and because i mean you know, homeopathy is you know challenging it's a challenging thing to be a homeopath there's an awful lot harder being a homeopath than it's being a conventional vet i can tell you that mm. um but no it feels great and I'm excited because I have done some study with some homeopaths called the Joshi's a husband and wife pair I studied with them many years ago I've studied with them again and they've come across some really exciting stuff which I'm applying and finding massively useful they have plotted the animal kingdom onto the mineral periodic table and there's a lot more to it than that but I love the periodic table it's one of my favorite methods of analysis studied with Jan Scholten a lot with that and now there's this new method of looking at the animals there and so I'm really excited about that I'm loving it.
0: <laughs> and you're still lecturing aren't you at the various colleges?
1: I do a lot of lecturing. I was lecturing two days ago at Manny's College. I'm lecturing next week to some the Japanese conference. I'm Going over all all over the world, actually, off to France, off to Belgium, don't remember where else. But, yeah, do a lot of teaching. I really enjoy teaching. I love sharing my excitement and my joy with others. And uh, it's always fun as well to tell tell about the animal cases because they're sometimes sort of quite simpler and people can see the remedy pictures in a dog more Easily, sometimes I could see it in a human, and
0: uh, yeah, lots of teaching, love it. Brilliant. <laughs> That's uh, so good to know, Jeff. Outside of homeopathy, you love going to festivals, wilderness, and also long distance trekking. And um, I remember when I first contacted you a few months ago, you, you uh, did say to me that you were going for a month or so uh, trekking, and yeah, uh, how yeah. was that? How was that experience, and uh, where did you go?
1: I just walked across the country. Actually, I started off on the West Coast and walked over to the East Coast through some of the most beautiful and remote parts of England. And it was sublime the beauty that is out there and the wildlife that's out there. But what I really like is just that process of walking moving through a landscape for day in day out until nothing exists anymore other than the sort of amazing shock of jumping into a a river or seeing the mist rise in the morning or the comfort of your sleeping bag at night or the sound of the birds and everything else goes away and you're just back totally in nature your mind stills and everything comes alive it's one of my very favorite things to do on walking the length of Scotland in september with another homeopath my mate ian and it's as a homeopath we're really interested in energy and i did a walk right up through scotland 7 years ago and i went through four different scottish mountain ranges and i thought this might be pretty boring mountains all the time but no because the energy of each mountain range was so different one was grim and forbidding one was like a, just a collapsed civilization right up north and sutherland the rocks were so old and worn down and then there's this incredible place called neudart and it was just like the elf's land in lord of the rings every mm. spring seemed to have magic in it and it's that awareness of the energy around you, I think, is a gift that homeopaths develop maybe more than a lot of other people because that's what we're looking for. We're looking for energy, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And just to have the energy of nature around you and nothing else for weeks is my favourite thing.
0: <laughs> uh, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure to to talk to you. Uh, well, and you too.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Oh, it's been great. And uh, I, I very much am looking forward to part two.
1: Cheers. Well, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed myself as well. And uh, thanks for giving me the chance to drone on about homeopathy, which I'm famous for.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. I do hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the Homeopathy Health Show. Please do support the show by clicking follow on my socials. Remember, the more exposure the podcast receives the better for homeopathy around the world. You can find me on Instagram by searching for at like underscore treats like and on both Facebook and TikTok by searching for at like treats like. So let's promote the voice of homeopathy on radio and podcast around the world together. Don't forget to visit me online at www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast tab Here you'll be able to see all the guests that have joined me on the show so far, and of course, you can stream on demand the latest episode to your mobile, tablet or PC. Until next time, stay safe and take care.